Every year, once the 4th of July comes and passes, I immediately start thinking um, about some memories from my childhood. And as a child, I would always envision this time after the 4th of July as a very specific season. Can you think of what season that might be? What season is it? Summer, yeah. Road trip season. Road trip season. Who doesn't love a good old-fashioned family road trip in the summer? And I used to always, um, my anticipation would build every week after the 4th of July because as a family growing up every year at Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, we took a family road trip from Columbus, Ohio to Rochester, Minnesota. And now I know what you're thinking. Rochester is so amazing, right? But truly, for me, it was the highlight of my summer every year. My mom grew up in Minnesota. She was one of six siblings. And every year, the whole family gathered back in my mother's hometown to celebrate early Christmas (laughs) on Labor Day weekend. My grandparents at the time were living in the Carolinas, and the rest of the family was in Minnesota, the Twin Cities are still in Rochester, and we were in Columbus. And it was nearly impossible to get my mom's side of the family together on Christmas. We had our own families and our own traditions. And so we thought, well, Labor Day weekend, let's get together. And my Aunt Karen would even decorate her house. She would put up Christmas lights in August. She would put the, the, the blow molds out of Frosty and, and Santa in her front yard, and she worked out a deal with some really good friends and neighbors that when we were all there, the second night we were there, the neighbors would come over dressed in toboggans and scarves and Christmas carol to us. How magical! But some of my greatest memories headed up to Minnesota happened in the Oldsmobile, the car. Good memories and things I'd rather forget. (laughs) Now my dad, my dad was always at the wheel, at the helm of the wheel, and my dad had two really important rules every time we took a family road trip, certainly when we made the 10, 11-hour trek up to Minnesota. His rules were, number one, nobody is allowed to ask me, are we... Are we there yet? You're not allowed to do it. And number two, my dad had a rule that this was a no-stopping trip. In other words, we'll rest when we get there. How many times have you said that to yourself or to your own children as you're headed out on a, on a trip? We'll rest when we get there. Don't ask me, are we there yet? And we're not stopping unless it's for gas. I remember getting up really early in the morning or late in the middle of the night to make this trip still in my pajamas and my mother trying to get my sister and I ready and my dad asking my mom five or six times, have they gone potty yet? Have they gone yet? Have they gone yet? Yes, we've gone. I went twice. I tried to go a third time and I couldn't. And I'm sitting in the back seat of the car. Did you go? Do you have everything? Because we're not stopping. We're not going to rest until we get 
there. My dad would take off and we'd make the trek past Chicago and we'd, we'd head up to the beautiful land of Minnesota. And all along the way on that road trip, there would be those green signs on the side of the road. Do you, do you know those signs? They would say rest area. Those were totally foreign to my father. And I have these memories of my mom, my mom often um, saying, honey, why don't we stop at one of those rest areas? The kids really need a break. And he would say, a break from what? They're in the back seat. They're not doing anything. They don't need a break. Well, honey, maybe you need a break. You want to stretch your legs? He said, rest areas are useless. It was almost a point of pride for my father. Why would we stop at a rest area? There's no gas station. We can't refuel so we can go farther. I mean, think about it. All a rest area provides is um, a state-run bathroom, a row of vending machines with some food, and concrete tables that sit under shade trees. We don't have time to just rest. We've got somewhere to go. We've got somewhere to be. Now, why do I bring this up? That's funny and as fun as it is to reminisce on your own road trips. How many of us, how many of you are living your life with the same philosophy that my father took road trips with? We'll rest when we get there. How many of us are gripping the steering wheels of our lives, determined and hell-bent on getting there? How many of us ignore the, the wisdom of our loved ones and our own emotional state that is begging us to stop, to slow down, to take a break, and yet we have just convinced ourselves that we have got to get to Rochester? Let me ask you a question. Are you there yet? Let me answer it for you. No, Pastor Lauren. I'm not there yet. I'm a work in progress. None of us ever arrive at a destination. We're always in formation. Of course, I'm not there yet. But let me ask you a better question. What is your there? Do you know what it is? And if you lived enough life to understand that your there is a continual continuous moving target. How many times do we set out and we tell ourselves, if I just get there, if I just find someone to spend my life with, and if I just get married, then I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. Or how many of us think, if I just get there, if I, if I just get the job that I so desperately want, or, or the promotion that my family desperately needs, if I just work harder and, and push down on the gas pedal a little bit harder, if I just go 10 more miles down this journey and I get there, then I'll relax. How many parents in the room, myself included, have, have told yourselves, told ourselves, when my kids just get a little bit older, when they just get out of this stage, when they just finally reach junior high or high school or college, then, 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 I'll rest. 
Or maybe for you it's a financial target. If I just get there. Or maybe it's retirement. If I just, if I just reach 66 and a half and I, I collect social security and I, then I can rest. How many times in your life have you gotten there to the next stage and you felt this small, hollow feeling inside. And you've said to yourself, that, that's it? I certainly have. When I reflect on the life I've lived so far, which is far less life than many of you have lived so far, I've seen this recurring pattern in my life. I remember as a high school student, I couldn't wait to graduate high school by midway through my junior year. I just couldn't wait for it to be over, to be on to the next thing. If I just graduate, then, then my life will feel really full. And then high school graduation came and went, and it was this weird feeling after everyone left from the party with the little diploma in hand, with the cheap little thing that it's put in. And I remember sitting in my room, looking at that diploma, thinking, that's it? Well, college was next, and the military was next. And if I just graduate from basic training or advanced training, if I, if I just get promoted to sergeant in the army, then, then I'll feel accomplished. And I remember getting promoted and having those stripes pinned on and later that night feeling like that, that was it. And then it was ministry. Ooh, that alluring thing called ministry. Graduate seminary and the same feeling called to my first call and the same feeling after a few weeks that that was that was it I know what I'll do I'll I'll go and I'll earn a doctorate and so I went and I I earned a doctorate through a pandemic while working full-time and chairing the board of a nonprofit. and I remember at the end of that being proud certainly but also this feeling like that that was it and then that hope and dream to be called to be a senior pastor, and I'm so grateful to be your senior pastor, but that same creeping, sneaking feeling like that, that's it. Can you relate? I hope that you, many times in your life, get there and have the same feeling that I've had. Because it's in the midst of those feelings, when we're running the race of our life, we're We're gripping the steering wheel of our life so tightly. Our foot is down on the gas pedal so tightly. And we're moving toward the next thing that we believe will make us happy. That we begin to hear in the backseat of the car of our life, the voice of a five-year-old. Say, well, if we can rest when we get there, then are we there yet? Are we there yet? In today's gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus, he does this course correction. He changes tone. He, he begins to slow down for his disciples. Now, 
We've been exploring the teachings and words of Jesus for many weeks now, and we'll continue to in Matthew's gospel. And we understand that a part of what Jesus was doing as a, as a, as a rabbi and a teacher is that he was equipping his disciples to go into the world to do amazing things, partnering with the God of the universe. That's no small feat. Jesus is preparing the disciples to send them out two by two into the towns and villages with a very clear mission, go heal the sick, go love the unlovable, go perform signs and wonders as you've seen me do. But before he sends them out to go and accomplish greater things than even he will do, Jesus reminds them that they can rest Not when they get there, but here. This was a struggle for the disciples. It's a struggle for us. We buy into the lie that our subconscious tells us, that our society tells us, that we tell ourselves that we need to keep pressing forward, keep accomplishing, keep achieving, keep earning. And we end up believing in the lie that rest only comes when we get there. The rhythm of our God, the rhythm that God has woven into the fabric of creation includes daily, weekly rest. Now this isn't to say that we shouldn't have goals and dreams and destinations to achieve, but it's to say in order to get there, we need to figure out how to rest here. If there's one thing I've learned about Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in the first three and a half, four months that I've been here, it's that you all are an ambitious bunch of people. This congregation is made up of a lot of go-getters, world changers, people that want to accomplish and achieve and do and create, and that is beautiful. That is holy. That is sacred. I love that that's a part of the DNA here. And at the same time, I believe that because that is a part of our DNA, then we must learn the rhythm and pace of God. We must be reminded of it. For the rhythm and pace of God is not like this. Then you crash and you burn out. The rhythm and pace of God is like this. Six paces and a deep breath, right? Jesus is inviting you and me today to find rest for our weary bodies, our weary souls, our weary minds as we continue on the path that God has called us down. Do you know what your there is? Is your there aligned with God's vision for your life? Or is your there some artificial target that the world has told you that you ought to work toward? And are you so determined to get there that you miss out on the beautiful moments that are present in the middle of your day? 
I am so guilty as a dad of three kids of just wanting to get to the end of the day. Raising three children is not for the faint of heart. It can be exhausting and extremely rewarding. But I have been guilty of looking at the clock on the wall and thinking four or five more hours before they're in bed. (laughs) And once I get there, then, then I can watch my favorite show or have some nachos or relax. And if that's the primary mode that I'm going through my day with, then guess what I miss? I miss a thousand moments where their little eyes are looking up at me with wonder. I I miss the sacredness of the moment. There and here have to be a part of our life. Jesus wants us, the church, to do grand, great things for the kingdom of God. There's no doubt about it. We have a clear mission from God to go into the world and to make disciples, to do greater things than even Christ did. We have this great commission to go and serve and love and pour ourselves out, but not at the expense of ourselves. You see, Jesus doesn't just invite the disciples to be sent. He also invites the disciples to find the concrete bench on the side of the road where there's no gas station but only a shade tree to get a bag of chips out of the vending machine and to sit down with no other purpose than to rest. Thanks be to God that that's the Jesus we worship. Amen.